In the name of Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Our text this morning is taken from the center of almost an entire chapter of parables in Matthew's biography of Jesus, chapter 13. It is divided into two halves separated by two shorter parables, which are also kingdom parables regarding the mustard seed and leaven. First half of our reading contains the parable in the form of an extended simile. The reign of heaven has become like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The second half contains a, a seven-item lexicon or dictionary for the parable which Jesus gives to the disciples so that they can understand who the players in the parable actually are. If I might be allowed a simile of my own, this lexicon or list is like walking into the stadium to hear the vendors talking, programs, programs, get your programs here, you won't know the players without a program. The man who sowed the seed is the son of man. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, and the weeds are the sons of the evil one. Likewise, the field, the enemy, the harvest, and the reapers are all also identified. They are respectively the world, the devil, the end of the age, and the angels. At first read, it sounds pretty complete, right? Sounds like you know everything you need to know. But Jesus fails to explain one particular group of individuals the servants of the master of the household. There's this gap, this one item that he doesn't give a symbolic meaning for. Some have argued that the sole reason for this oversight is they serve a narrative function. They allow for the dialogue that focuses our attention on the conflict in the parable. They do. More about that later. But they also create a spot, an invitation for us to enter to sit down and be a part of the parable. Because the question that they ask, what's bugging them, is the same problem that troubles us today. Because the field, the world, with the weeds and the wheat, remains all around us, awaiting for the coming harvest. I can imagine if we dramatized this parable, that we could do it with a little more dramatic flair than we have in the text. The servants poking and prodding in the field, and the distressed glances all around, and Heated discussion ensues. They come rushing up to the master. Weeds! Weeds! There are weeds in your wheat. The field is ruined. And the master calmly, in marked contrast to the servants, explains, an enemy has done this. Well, how does he know? And who is it? We know, thanks to this little lexicon at the end, that it is the devil and the weeds are his offspring. But not the servants. They see only disaster. Messi then focuses our attention with the literary device that's lost in translation. We could render it, the servants say to him. Present tense. It's as if they, as if we are asking in real time right now, do you want us to go pull the weeds up? Unless we rip them up by the roots, they're going to ruin all the wheat. What do we do? Again, John, we hear the reply almost also in present time, no. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. Really? This is a kingdom parable, right? That's how Jesus says the kingdom of heaven or the reign of heaven may be compared to. And this is what it is? It makes no sense. Really? Well, as Jeff Gibbs summarizes, it, that is the reign of heaven, will be different. But for now, this is what you get. 
As you can see, time plays an important part in the reign of heaven and hence in this parable. Then the Son of Man planted good seeds. Now the field is covered in weeds and wheat. In the future, the harvest will be brought in into the master's barns or thrown into the fire. But now is now. And the fields are covered in weeds and wheat. What do we do? How do we maximize the harvest? Is it really our business at all? One side of us wants to say, hands off. If Jesus, the master, wants us to leave the weeds, since apparently good and evil will coexist until the end, why bother calling out evil in this world? Well, with that attitude, we retreat into our churches and our personal piety and let the world fend for itself. But when we think this way, the preaching of the law suffers. On the other extreme, we can try to crack down on the evil at every turn. We can pound the pulpit. We can confront the sinful institutions and practices of our society. We can give them what they deserve. But then the preaching of the gospel suffers. And we attempt to usurp the role of angels. I don't think it's without reason that Jesus identifies the angels as the end times reaper. No, this time between planting and harvest is the Lord's time. And he will use it for his purpose. Jerome captured this well when he wrote, The words of the Lord spoke, Lest gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Leave room for repentance. We are advised not to be quick in cutting off a fellow believer. For it may happen that one who has been corrupted today by evil may recover his sense tomorrow by sound teaching and abide by the truth. So far, Jerome. We must allow both the preaching of the law and the gospel to run their full course. Well, we've been running around so far in this sermon, acting like the excited servants of the householders, speculating on what we should do about the weeds and the wheat. Perhaps we should stop and ask, what did Jesus do? After all, he walked through the same fields that we do before us, and the weeds and the wheat were then commingled then as now. Jesus' work in Matthew's biography begins in chapter 4 with these words. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He does not condone evil. He confronts it and calls people from it. Yet Jesus' preaching does not enact the final end times judgment against evil. Instead, Jesus takes upon himself God's righteous judgment against evil. By his life, death, and resurrection, you are redeemed. Your sin is forgiven. You experience the mercies of God. He forgives, restores, baptizes you into the present reign of heaven, and prepares you for the coming harvest. Beside the well at Sychar, Jesus asked, Do you not say, there are yet four months until the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. That is today. Baptized sons and daughters, how do we live as wheat in a weed-infested world? Some would wring their hands and moan for the good old days when Christian values and biblical moral strictures guided our laws and their adjudication. For centuries after the days of Constantine, Christians and Christianity enjoyed a place of prominence and influence. But those days are long gone. Today, Jesus' words from John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me will quickly earn you the label of intolerant and religious bigotry. Others would seek to remain relevant by addressing the social issues of the day. They would participate in the great dynamic of social change, even if it means compromising some of the tenets of the faith. Here in Oregon, issues of marriage or marital unions, life at both of its ends, have become battlegrounds on which cooperation has led to compromise. Still others seek separation from the world by a retreat into either individual or collective enclaves of spirituality, they would rightly order their own lives and leave the rest to make their own peace with God. Their evil mind exists, allows existence. But all of these miss the point. They miss the one who still rules, even now rules, over a field that is white for the harvest yet choked in weeds. Ascension Day was Jesus' day of coronation. He is the firstborn from the dead and now lives and reigns for all eternity as we confess in our catechism. In his great resurrection chapter, St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be defeated is death. Or as David writes in the psalm, You, that is Yahweh, have given him, the Son, dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. This is God's field. Even though it looks like a mess, Despite the overflowing weeds, this is the reign of heaven. It will be different. But for now, this is what you get. Actually, you would be hard-pressed to find a better biblical answer to the problem of evil in the world than this parable. Why do the righteous suffer and the sinner prosper? Jesus allows it. How can a loving God who is all-powerful allow the corruption of his creation? Either he does not love it, and hence does not exercise his authority, or he does love it, but does not have the capacity to change it. No, neither. The master says, let both grow until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus is still in charge. He is the one who reigns even now, as Paul declares, and until he returns, his orders are clear. Don't touch the weeds. Don't rip up the ragweed. Don't thrash the thistle or nuke the nuts edge. Don't decimate the dandelions. Don't touch a single weed for the sake of the wheat. They are the children of God, the children of his kingdom. Jesus said, explanation of the parable ends with an interesting twist. The angels were told, will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. These obviously are the weeds. But then we hear that the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. There is an important Old Testament background to that expression that warrants our attention. It comes from Daniel chapter 12 where we read, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since the nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found and written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame, everlasting contempt. And those who are wise, 
shall shine like the brightness of the day of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The word of the Lord. Our parable may well be our Lord's explanation of that text from Daniel, and if so, we could supply the corresponding lexicon as Jesus did for the weeds and the wheat. Michael is one of only a handful of named angels in the Bible. He is the reaper, the angels. The time of trouble is the weed-infested wheat field that is the present state of the reign of heaven. Those whose names have been written in the book are the baptized, the wheat, the awakening of the resurrection at Jesus' return, and the everlasting contempt versus the everlasting life. They are the fiery furnace versus the barns of heaven. Thanks be to God. What a glorious future to grasp, to shine like the sun. And so we shall. Jesus set right the ruin of sin by his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Jesus reigns. And even though we must now endure the trials of this life, his victory has secured our victory. That where he is, we shall be also. Amen. Now the peace was... May the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.